Hey, hey, hey. Well, hey, well, there you are. Getting a late start here today. Yeah, a little, little late. I see you're recording already. Oh, you noticed. I thought I'd have you Now, there. let me just remind you mm. that you have to put on the cascade screen. Uh, just did. Just did. Thank <laughs> you, though. You I got appreciate it. that. Uh, hey, how was your week? Oh, boy, it's been, uh, it's been you know, kind of uphill this week for me. Just, I don't know. It's just one of those weeks. I, I kind of feel like it's the news, you know? You're oh, just sure. Fo- focusing on the news and everything that's going on and all the negativity. It's kind of felt like a grind this week. But, you know, so that, that's just perception, and perception becomes reality. In general, life is great. I can't deny it. I got to tell you, since we signed off last week, last Friday, I have had a great week. I remember telling you last week how uh, in the fall, we go to Patterson's Farms and we get our, we did it uh, the last weekend. We did it on Sunday. I had the best weekend. Oh. It's been so beautiful out. It's beautiful out again today. I'm going to try to get out on a bike ride with my buddy Dan the Fireman uh, this afternoon. But oh, cool. Yeah, last weekend, uh, one of the best weekends I had all summer, and it's been a gorgeous, gorgeous summer, but uh, I went, let's see, first it started out Friday night, Irby and I went to, uh, what's the name of that place where they have a a concert hall in, uh, oh, I'm not going to remember, Beachwood Ballroom, just remembered it, Um, and we had some really terrible uh, barbecue that they were advertising. Terrible barbecue? That, it that, was. like an oxymoron. I know. It's hard to screw it up. They, yeah. they had an attitude like it was the best thing in the world. No, it was terrible. But we just felt like <laughs> helping out the neighborhood. That place is struggling. They cannot have live acts right now. So it was a mm. donation. Helping out the neighborhood. So we decided the next day that we'd go for a bike ride at 1030 in the morning. And starting at 10 30 in the morning we would meet since he lives off on east 55th that means for us to meet he would come down 55th i'd go down woodland and uh not a good neighborhood this is a terrible area <laughs> it is a terrible like 55th area 55th and woodland i and i <laughs> talked to him about that and he goes oh man all the crackheads would be sleeping at 10 30 in the morning i'm like yeah it's you're right probably true yeah right so i'm going and it's fortunately it's all downhill the whole way there it's about four miles to yeah to i remember 55th. it clearly actually it used to be part of my sales territory oh there you go yeah, yeah. it's uh it's really newly paved and everything so it looks nice it's a joy to ride down but i am not welcome there for sure yeah, um, yeah. if it's later in the very day, few people, people are welcome there it's true i'm riding down there to go meet him and i see this one pristine tennis shoe in the middle of the road and i immediately started thinking where's the body that goes there? <laughs> you know? it didn't even have time to get scuffed up so uh i figure a few hours prior to me getting there someone got jacked right off the uh road right out right. of his shoe probably riding his bicycle like you yeah, exactly. Well, they, yeah, it did make me a little nervous, but we had a great time. So we went down to uh, East 25th and we, uh, where do we go? We went to town hall first, had a couple beers like at 1130 in the morning. And then we went to Citizens Pie and bought a pizza. Citizen Pie is always one of the top, like the top rated place in Cleveland for pizza. And we never mm-hmm. had 
had it before. So went there and it did not disappoint. It was absolutely terrific. They hand make their own dough. So they always run out of dough at some point during the day. So fortunately right. we got there early. And uh, then we met, went to the East Bank of the Flats and met uh, Dan and Janine down there at Dante's Inferno. Uh, and I, as I told you before, the East Bank of the Flats is just gorgeous now. It's beautiful. And didn't really think about COVID the whole day. So that was that. Then the next day, uh, Lisa and I went out to Patterson's farm. We went and we got our corn stalks, the uh, mums, a bunch of different kinds of pumpkins. And, you know, we take our time and set everything out and plan the arrangements and all that. And it's just, it's kind of crowded, which is a little uncomfortable because you had to wear your mask. You're outside but it's so crowded, you kind of got to wear your mask most of the time and stuff. So there was mm. that. That definitely mm-hmm. put a, uh, a little damper on the usual vibe, our annual right. tradition. But then after that, on the way home, uh, we did this before too, but we went to the restaurant Oak and Ember. And it's another, it's a barbecue place. Oh. And we had the best barbecue. You it were redeemed so, with your exactly, barbecue. Exactly, exactly. Nice. So we just had uh, a fantastic weekend. And then I had a really good week. I told you last week that, about how we just launched this, this marketing program to sell this, these workshops. And so the first thing is, is you put together a free webinar to bring people in and show them a lot of value about in right. this case, we're selling how to become a career coach, which mm-hmm. I, I still think is just a fantastic thing to get into. And uh, our first one, so we have three of these planned uh, with our third being Monday. So we've had to, our first one went as shaky as I expected. Uh, the presentation of uh, the turnout was low two people out of about 12 people that signed up. And I expected that as well. We're trying to, you got to figure out how to do your reminder emails just right to make sure they come in, that they understand the value of it, the opportunity that they're getting. So you could do your sales pitch at the end of this free webinar, right? Right. Well, I could see the team was a little disappointed about that. So the next day, which was yesterday, we had our second one and it went great. We had about 24 people to sign up and I, not about 21. And we had, I'd say 14 people that actually showed, which is a good percentage for a free webinar. And that is special thanks to my marketing partner on that, Nancy Valent of NMV Strategies. She did a fantastic job with the email campaign on that. And the webinar being the second time around went way smoother, you know, always not, does got yep. a lot of the kinks out of the way. Now they're so excited. They want to do a fourth. <laughs> oh, so I think that's terrific. They got very excited about that. I did remind them it, we, we want to get through this first month, our, our baseline month, put together our numbers, so that we can try to double them. We can assess, stand back, get away from it, assess everything and try to double all of our numbers from prospect to attendees to uh, conversions at the end of our premium workshop. So it was, it was a, a, a roller coaster, a fun roller coaster that is uh, 
going over it, it went up the hill click 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 yes and then now we're going down the hill it's a success oh that is so awesome hey yeah, congratulations on that and congratulations you. to your uh, your business associate as well that yeah. is so awesome and and Truly. you know it's always great when you have something in front of you and you got that feeling of oh my gosh is this gonna go well and here you were at the front end just being an encourager and I, I don't get sh shaken up here. It's right. not going to go well at the beginning. You coached them through that whole thing and mm. look at, look at the results. That is it's, so awesome. And you've got everybody all enthusiastic now about this going thank forward. Thank you, man. That's, it is. It's, it's so, it's so encouraging. It's so fun. And it's great, great to just enjoy your career like yeah. this and these successes. Yeah. And in fact, well, I that's what this whole thing is about, right? I mean, is. the whole, the, it the, it's juicy works, right? Yes, that's correct. And, and it's, uh, it's all about that enjoying your career and, and moving forward. And here you are at the same time helping others enjoying your career. That's what we intend to do here. And I think How we do awesome. a pretty good job of it. In I fact, so Merle, too. I have another client, my uh, lean guy. He's inquiring about doing the same thing. Uh, this is just the other day. We're having lunch at our favorite Mexican place, Nuevo Acapulco in North Olmstead on Wednesday. I can't wait. And um, he was inquiring about doing the same thing. And I had to tell him, I said, We're, we'll talk about it on Wednesday, but no, it's not for the faint of heart. It's a huge commitment. It's a huge monetary commitment and time commitment. And if you're going to do it halfway and say, oh, let's give it a shot, you're going to lose a lot of money and a lot of precious time. So you got to be in it. I, I mean, I got the system down. I know how to right, do right. it. And that's why I can, I, I love my clients. I don't want to see them, any of them waste money. So. Well, and I like it. that coaching as well, because I know that this uh, client is one that doesn't like to write and exactly. has you do all the writing. But this is going to take some writing on his part here. He's going to have to he's going to have to buck up on that end. And, mm -hmm. But, you know, getting him prepared for what's ahead is pretty important. And uh, I think that's part of the success formula. But I will say this about him. You're right about the writing thing. And thank you for remembering that. You actually really uh, take active participation of the things that I say. Um, but uh, to his credit, he's listened to some of my advice over the years, such as joining Toastmasters. He did. Oh, he did. And, and uh, man, Toastmasters can improve your presence in mere months. And a month. I know that was a life changer for you. It truly was. He also took me up on the challenge of doing the daily videos so that he can get better at it. We're working on it. He's done that. He is actively doing that. That and, uh, is fantastic. He gave me a recent three-minute video that I critiqued, and, he, and he's uh, taken that to heart and redoing it. And I'll just say in a nutshell, what he was doing was largely – Here's what I do. I'm Steve Reisig and I do this and I've done this in the past. These are my credentials. And I, and I said, and I'm sharing this to hopefully help others out there. Don't talk so much about yourself. Only fill it in where you, you got to add credibility. Talk to the audience, what they are missing, what they need and how you can help them and change mm. their lives and improve it, how they're going to be the hero of their own story. Remember, everyone is always looking to have one question answered at all times, and that is, what's in it for me? The whiff them. 
That, that's it. That's yep. all they care about. Yep. So uh, that is about the extent of my uh, 050 part where we talk about careers and stuff. I, we got hey, so I, much more. But I, I want to add a couple of things here. Uh, over this past week, a couple of events happened uh, in, in my life. Uh, my, Of course, my daughter, it was her birthday on Friday. We just yeah. celebrated her birthday last night over at my house which was really fun. She's 27 now and uh, had my son here as well, Brandon and, and Hallie. It was her birthday. So yeah, I was, uh, we, I, I had to, I had to tell him, look, I got this show coming up at uh, 630. You guys got to leave here. It's, it's 11 <laughs> o'clock. So it's still a couple minutes late for the show, but uh, happy birthday to Hallie and uh, a tribute to a, a great man, their grandfather, actually their is it? It's their great grandfather, actually. It's on my ex-wife's side, <clears throat> William Allen. He turned 100 this week. Whoa! He is a, a, a former. He's a he's a veteran of World War II. He was on Okinawa. He's a man of integrity. I remember when my father passed away. He stood in the gap and told me, "Look, I, I'll never take the place of your father, but if you ever need anything, come to me. I'll never forget him for that." And even though um, you know, I, my first marriage ended in divorce. He and I remained friends and he's just a great guy. So happy birthday, Bill Allen, 100 years old on the 22nd this month. Can you imagine hundred years old? I'm not going to make it to hundred. Yeah. Well, don't <laughs> say that. You never, if you, it's you know, you want to make it to a hundred and be healthy and have your mm. mind intact and right. lots of money in the bank. That's mm. you get those three things going. I think you wouldn't mind being a hundred. I'll tell you what, Merle, with all the changes that have happened in the last 20 years, 20, 30 years in our lifetime, we cannot imagine what this world is going to be like another 45 years from now. Boy, I sure do agree with that. And just look at our own lifetimes. I mean, you yeah, know, here we are and we're in our 50s. And this world we live in now is unrecognizable compared to when we were in college we, or when we were kids. Exactly. When we were in college preparing for this, our careers, I, I could not possibly be prepared. I was in graphic design, putting the type on a board with a burnisher uh, and using markers to do mock-ups and layouts and Xeroxes. Uh, I, as soon as I got out of college, there was the Mac. As soon as I got out. And I had to learn, like, boom, right away. And I, I had terrible computer phobia. Yeah, and you know, I remember also avoiding typing. And, and I, <laughs> there was a typing class that I, that I took in high school. I think it was a senior in high school. I never did. And I dropped out of it because I thought, oh, I'm never going to become a secretary. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought. And, uh, you know, this thing is for the birds. And well, didn't you also think once the computer came around, everyone told you that you wouldn't be typing in five years. Everything's going to be voice activated. And oh, yeah. I remember going to be typing. Yes. Keyboard? It's not going to be around. We're still using yeah. a keyboard. Boy, I tell you what, that was such a hard thing to learn. What a terrible mistake that was. <laughs> I, I'm still a two-finger typer. I never, uh, I'm not the home key typer, but man, I can mm. fly on the keyboard now. I can too. Never took any classes. I think I use about four fingers, I think. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of writing, you know, a lot of typing, right. I should say. So uh, yeah. it, it gets uh, to become natural. I wanted to say when you brought up your kids that I saw that Brandon 
reached out for a friend request on Facebook, which I obviously don't pay a lot of attention to, but I saw it. I think I friended you back, if I recall. But anyways, I want to say thank you for that. That I surprised that we weren't already connected, but I'm really happy that we are now. So thank you very much, Brandon. And uh, when is his birthday? His birthday is on March 6th, and oh, he'll be okay. so 29. And, and it happens 29. to be the same birthday as my mom. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. My birthday was the same as my grandmother's. Oh, how cool is that? So wild. A one yeah. in 365 chance of that happening. Yeah. How about that? And uh, what a great birthday present that uh, she received, a, a grandson. Yeah, yeah, well, and even as strange as this is, she's truly my step-grandmother. Oh. And that was so unusual. I had to explain to everybody that I had three grandparents because back then nobody got divorced. No, and it was very unusual. How how about that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, I had a good friend and his parents were divorced and it was sort of a taboo thing. Once again, another big change in our society is that, boy, that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Hey, Merle, while I'm thinking about this, before I move on, I wanted to mention that we had a beautiful shout out testimonial from a friend of the show. And I was hoping you could read it for us if you happen to have our have that in front of you. Do you by chance? I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. This is my fear in the headlights. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about a couple of, if you could pull up over 50 starting over.com, it's right on the homepage, but it's just so nice. And he's been a friend of the show since the beginning. So I thought it'd be nice to bring that out because there's a couple quick things I wanted to talk about. In our, my local news here in Cleveland, I want to say that in the last week, uh, apparently three b- black lives don't matter around here as we've had three shootings, black on black crime, gun violence, gang violence, and it's, it's unheard of. It's unprecedented. So I'm really dismayed about this movement of this whole supposed Black Lives Matter movement, which is a farce. And then you want to get all these riots and uh, shootings going on and then say defund the police. This is insanity. It's absolutely insanity. And I love the heights. I, uh, my soul is here. And this really, really bothers me. It's very personal for me. So uh, we definitely have a problem with illegal guns. And by the way, I just remember thinking about this here that um, DeWine uh, has some legislation that he's trying to pass about strengthening laws on illegal guns. Because when you get the left talking about the whole Second Amendment thing, all they want to do is make guns illegal. They want to take guns away from people that need to protect themselves and not to mention farmers and ranchers out there that actually truly need them for survival. Um, that's the, the guns they want to take away. Well, DeWine is actually just talking about uh, toughening up laws on illegal guns, which are the problem nationwide. So I'm all about that. Here's a different news item that I heard this morning, as, as I always do when I'm waking up, I got my coffee, I'm laying in bed, and I got the local news on my laptop next to me, and I kind of went, pricked my ears up and went, what? It's a kid got suspended uh, doing virtual classroom. Oh, yeah. Yep. He had a BB gun in the background, and he got suspended for that, a BB gun at his home. Yes. And so his parents are fighting it. And I, I was like, wow, that they said, well, this is an extension of school and with mm-hmm. school shootings and stuff that that 
was just a big no-no. And I don't know what to think about that. What do you think about that? I think it's ridiculous. Um, first off, he's not even in the school. So how yeah. could it be a threat, if, especially if it's in the background? I mean, he's not brandishing a weapon and saying, I'm going to come and get you, Charlie Brown. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's got it in the background. So, so you're going to suspend a kid for having a – first off, a BB gun's not illegal. What, none of this makes any sense. This sounds like an ideology taken to its furthest extreme. It's extremist. It, it is. It, it truly is. I think it was last week, too. We were once again talking about these uh, riots going on. The extreme. You, you got me there with the extremist comment. And we were talking about how are these people not being charged with hate crimes and even the, this movement being branded as a terrorist organization. And I am once again referring to the Black Lives Matters movement. I tell you what, Barry, I am disgusted by what I see out there in the news almost every day regarding this Black Lives Matter movement. And I can't understand why there seems to be nothing that we can do about it. It's, uh, it's organized. It's funded. The, why don't we know who's actually funding this? Mm. That seems to be a problem. We know, we keep hearing the name George Soros. We know George Soros is a country destroyer. That's what he does for profit. Mm -hmm. We know that he's, his, he's all over this. We're seeing what happened in Louisville this week where oh, yeah. a truck pulls up with all kinds of supplies, shields, water bottles. We know the water bottles are used to launch at police officers. Mm -hmm. We we saw you know all kinds of different signs that uh, were in there, and then we found out that the person that drove the van, it was a U-Haul, was completely associated with George Soros. Um, we know that this person, George Soros, is actually funding campaigns for district attorneys in several cities. One of them being, well, several of them: Philadelphia, San Francisco. Uh, we're we're seeing where these criminal Portland we're seeing where criminals are being let go back out mm -hmm. on the street after they're burning, trying to burn down buildings right. or, or rioting. And this is completely all attached to the same people that are funding this black lives matter is destroying the fabric of this country. Mm -hmm. And I, I just go back to the whole Louisville thing and it's, it's just caused this whole, uh, this whole environment where, it doesn't matter what happens. We're just going to burn it down. We're going to burn down our city. And it's a shame what I'm seeing happening in the name of what should be a noble thing, which is to affect racism. And is, is there racism? Noble. Is there racism? Sure. Sure. There's racism. We don't have systemic racism here no, in this not. country. When you, when you look at Louisville and you call that systemic racism, what, what the heck? Uh, a grand jury came out and said that we're going to indict one of these officers uh, in the involvement of what happened with uh, Breonna Taylor. Mm -hmm. And when you come back and say that was wrong not to indict all of them or at least indict one of them for murder and you understand how the decision was made by a grand jury – a jury of your peers. It wasn't the district attorney. It wasn't the, 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 the attorney general. It wasn't 
politicians that made this this case. It was a jury of the peers of Breonna Taylor, and they heard the evidence from only the 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 uh, the prosecution, the prosecution of these police officers. That's what a grand jury does. They never hear defense evidence. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in a grand jury. The only evidence that ever gets presented is the prosecution. Here's why these guys are guilty. And a jury of Breonna Taylor's peers decided that, no, we're going to indict this one officer that and it's for point. endangerment. And, and to come out and say this is systemic racism and try to burn the town down is a complete deception of what actually happened. And this group is involved in deceiving the country, and it has nothing to do with black lives or any lives. It has everything to do with taking over and destroying what we've built up here in this country, which is based in freedom and justice. And we're seeing a lawless situation taking effect. And it's going to have a big impact on this election. I think that as we take a look at this election coming up, it's, I'm, I'm concerned about what's going to happen, but it seems to be that we have a choice. And the choice is, are we going to support law and justice or are we going to fundamentally change this country into something we've never seen before? Mm-hmm. Something we don't want to see. If you have, if you gotten educated on this movement in the slightest, oh, by the way, who was it? It's in my notes somewhere. Someone uh, famous, like a, not Charles Barkley, Herschel Walker. Uh, oh, he's has, awesome. Yeah, he's come out and he said, is this who you're supporting? Herschel Walker slams the BLM movement after learning founders describe themselves as trained Marxists and challenges NFL teams to disown the movement. That's powerful. That's very powerful. It is powerful. Because it's despicable that an organization like the NFL or the NBA, which is very African-American driven, I don't like that term, black driven, uh, so that's almost another story. No, it's not. It's, it's despicable that these people are allowing themselves to be deceived and to be part of it, to propagate the de- deception. And NFL, I love NFL football, but I am just disgusted that they are propagating this, this whole deceptive and destructive, murderous movement. I agree with you. In fact, to the, to the point where I have boycotted the NFL, I, I boycotted them a long time ago when they first started taking a knee under Colin Kaepernick and uh, then they stopped doing it. And I started, you know, back dabbling and watching the games again, but it was never the same. It was sort of like when the Browns left, it was never kind of took away that first love that I had, but then it was never the same after that. But now that they've gone back into it a hundred percent, I can't watch it. I can't support that kind of as much as I love football, it's my favorite sport. Yes, yeah, I can't support it. I cannot support it, and I can't watch even Major League Baseball, the NBA. I, I can't watch it anymore. It's mm. they're into brainwashing. They're trying to brainwash us, is what they're trying to do. And now they've they've figured out a way to infiltrate our sports. I'll never forget 
a big turning point for me with the NFL, and I'm trying to remember which Super Bowl this was, but it was, on, it was when Obama was the president, and he came out and made a big deal on television right before the Super Bowl, a few days, talking about if he had a son, he would not let his son play football. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, they're going to ruin my favorite game. And they have. They have. Hey, for three weeks now, we've been saying that we're going to have this certain discussion. Are you ready to have it? I am. And I also have this, uh, this, this quote up that you wanted me to look up. Oh, yeah. Uh, so so let, me, let me do that first. This is from Tim Newman. And thank you, Tim, for weighing in and, and letting us uh, – know your thoughts here. So let me read it because I haven't read this yet. It says, uh, I have watched since the beginning and I now have my wife, Christina, asking if the next episode is ready. I don't agree with everything they talk about. What? But, <laughs> but they do. But what they do is promote a conversation that allows you to see different sides. Their knowledge base is vast and what they might not know they can easily get on the fly. I love to hear about their life's ups and downs. I feel like I'm in the room listening to them banter back and forth. If you haven't been following, start. Well worth the time. Thank you for helping me become a smarter and better human being, Tim Newman. Wow. Wow, huh? That Jeez. is outstanding. Yeah. I got to tell you. It's humbling. I, it, it, I got goosebumps. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, I think my favorite part of that is actually when he says he doesn't agree with everything that we talk about. Agreed. I thought the same thing. The fact that he's an avid listener and he doesn't agree with a lot of what we talk about, I think that's our goal here, and it always has been, is to have open conversations about this stuff. Well, and I want to just correct something and say he didn't say he doesn't agree with a lot of what we talk okay. about. He says he didn't agree with everything that we talk well, about because we we, <laughs> we have a, a good wide spectrum because you we and do. i don't agree on everything that's right so we have that's quite the a spectrum. it's the secret sauce of the show mm -hmm. is that and this is a goal of mine and i know it is of yours is that we here in america have so much parody where you cannot talk to your neighbor anymore uh. Because of various reasons, whether it's politics or it's COVID nineteen, we're afraid that we might infect somebody. Yeah. you know, it's to me, it's the same thing. Uh, it, it's it's separating us so that we cannot have unity. We're the United States. That's <laughs> what this movement. We just talked about Black Lives Matter. the The whole object is to divide us, not yeah. to unite us. We That's are right. the United States, and we should be able to have conversations and, and agree to disagree on certain things, but still have a conversation about it because mm -hmm. look at what happens to Tim. He becomes enlightened when he's a part of these conversations. I become enlightened when I listen to differing opinions and what I have, and I'm very open to listening to the other side as long as it makes logical sense, as long as it's based in what we can see as fact not just what somebody says and we still may end up agreeing to disagree but that's the beautiful part about being in this america this experiment as lincoln called it and there is there is no other country like this we can see where in other countries if you have a a disparate opinion you'll be dragged away and never heard of again that's been the history of the world it's we've grown up in a place where it's different than that but it's changing rapidly right yep. beneath our feet. 
I just, before we go into the, the thing, I just wanted to say, I saw one of the most horrifying sights just this week, and it comes out of Logan, Ohio. You may have seen this video where I this did. woman is at a football game, and shes oh, it's an yeah. eighth grade football game. I saw she's it. sitting in the stands. There's nobody within 20 feet of her. She's, doesn't, she's not wearing a mask. And a police officer comes and brutally takes her down and okay, her. she resisted arrest. That was wrong. We, even even though what the police officer was doing was wrong, I, I, you know, I think it was wrong. You shouldn't get arrested for not wearing a mask. Are you kidding me? But still, we should never resist arrest when it comes to police. We let our lawyer fight that out. Mm-hmm. But she resisted arrest and he tased her and everyone's just standing there, just not doing anything. No one's saying anything. That's a scary world right there that we're living in right it now. It is, but I see it differently than you. I just oh, saw seriously? this this morning on the news, probably right after that other thing I was telling you about. I just saw it this morning. And I thought, wow, well, there's the definition of a Karen for you. She voluntarily went into... It was a high school football game, correct? It was an eighth grade football game. Okay. Well, knowing that in order to be able to even have these events during COVID, that they would do so under very strict guidelines, which she was not following. And it's a bad example for everybody. And when she was asked by authorities to put on a mask and she uh, refused to do that and then resisted arrest, I think she was wrong in every regard. And hey, just like, you know, what if, what if she were black? What if she were a black woman and then uh, got tased? How would everybody feel then? It would be, uh, it would be a much bigger story. (laughs) I think it would be. The the whole town would blow up. It'd be another Kenosha, actually. And, and, And the fact that it was a black police officer that was doing the tasing wouldn't matter. We should go out and riot. It doesn't matter. You know, but I got to say, I didn't hear the part about the fact that she was warned because that doesn't, you don't see that in the video. Because I, I got out of it on the, of course she was. Well, of course wait, she was certainly uh, just asked, please you put your that? mask on. Did I think you see they that said, or are you dude, do you that? really think they just ran over there and tased her? That's what I saw. <laughs> well, I didn't okay. see her getting tased. Then that is the I same thing that they've done immediately, immediately. to propagate every aspect of this black lives matter movement is Have they you, cut do you out know that yes they cut oh, out everything do. but the five seconds and then say okay that's what that's what happened uh yeah no they they talked about how she was asked to put on a mask she was then asked to leave she refused they, yeah they said it on the news report okay so if that's the case i i agree that um hey you know if, but still you get arrested for that? Sure. Absolutely. Dude, it's COVID. It's, it's, it's a pandemic going on. We, we are trying to create a safe environment for these kids to actually have some normalcy. And you got a Karen out there ruining it for everybody. She's 20 it's, feet away from everybody else. So, and you're going to handcuffs on her and arrest her. Sure. Is it, is it the law? That apparently. Yeah. I, see, I, now apparently isn't a good answer. Well, what do you think during a pandemic in order to get sports going for kids? It's a bad look. This is as bad as the, the adults at soccer games getting into fights at eighth grade soccer games. It's the same. It's what's happened to our society where we can't just cooperate 
and, and let kids have their, their day. I understand you know? what you're saying about that, but there are certain things that are sacred. And one of those things is your individual rights. And, and that's, it's sacred. Your body is sacred. And, and to have your, yourself become arrested over what amounts to an executive order, I don't know. It, this, isn't, this is a gray area, Barry. I don't think uh, it is. Well, you I know said you don't. what amounts so, to an executive order. My, an executive order is not the law, Barry. Well, then what is it? Then it's, it's nothing. This is, this is what's scary about what's happening right now, yeah. is that an executive order is just that. It's an order. It's not the law. The law is, is propagated by the legislature in every single state. The legislature is appointed, I'm sorry, elected, duly elected by the citizens of that state. The, the governor can enact executive orders but executive orders don't have the force of the law. In other words, you cannot arrest somebody for violating an executive order because it's actually not the law. The law is, there's a very important piece called separation of powers here, and that's where we have a problem when governors who are in the executive office take on the role of the legislature because now you're taking powers into that position that don't belong to that position. And we've talked about this a million times, that absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is where I see there's a, I understand what you're saying. There's a danger, but this should be enacted by your legislature to become an actual law. And there's a reason why it hasn't become a law right now. And so I think to arrest somebody over this, and by God, you're tasing a person over this, I, I think they've gone over the line. Mm, I, I, well, st I still we may disagree. have to agree. I to absolutely disagree. disagree. But here's, and that, and my, here's my concern. Here's my concern, Barry, is if that is the case, then a governor can enact any law they want to. Uh, they can say, you know what? If you go outside, we're going to arrest you. If you try to go to work, we're going to arrest you. We're going to drag you away. This is our protection. These are our freedoms. We can't give that kind of power to an executive office. We need the protection of the legislature, which, by the way, is all about the people's will. This government is of the people, by the people, and for the people. If we have one person in there that can make these kinds of decisions, not you can't be judge jury and executioner that's what's going on with these these governors maybe this is one of those areas where you think you know what that's justified but if you give that kind of power to the governor and then who knows what kind of law that they're going to to put out there that's going to affect you this is how other nations are different than us this is why we're different than other nations that gives them the power to put away anyone that they oppose and that's a scary world that we don't want to live in i understand what you mean but i am i'm trying in this, in this trying case, not to laugh because we once again pushed our subject matter back to next week 
because we went down this rabbit hole. <laughs> We're never going to get there. <laughs> we still got a bunch of current events stuff to talk about. We could still talk about this more. I'm not going to agree with you because of the state. I don't of think you are, but I think that right. if suddenly they came and said, look, um, all, all uh, businesses like yours should be shut down. And if you try to open up a business like yours, we're going to come and take you away. You might have a different opinion because that's totally the kind that. of power that we're giving to these governors. And right. I think that's wrong. I understand what you're saying. I truly do. Uh, and, and that's actually happened with COVID-19 is they've decided who, which businesses are essential and which ones aren't. And they've ruined the lives agreed. of thousands and thousands of people. Agreed. But you can blame that on the government, but I blame it on the tragi tragedy that is known as COVID. And uh, by the way, I there's don't. there's a new virus, uh, virus uh, vaccine that is hitting the stage three uh, trials, which I have. Oh, yeah. Johnson & Johnson enters phase three trial for single dose coronavirus vaccine, which means... You only got to take it one time rather than going back to the doctor multiple times to keep uh, boosting this thing up like some of these other ones. It's the fourth potential vaccine to go into a crucial third phase of testing. Um, but the, it carries significant benefits. It requires a single jab. <laughs> I don't like the way they say jab. It sounds yeah, like I don't like that either. <laughs> uh, rather than the repeat visits to the doctor's multiple injections and it stores more easily only requires refrigeration level of storage to keep it up to three months. So that's some, that's some really good news. So we got four of these in stage three trials, which makes me wonder, do you remember, this is weeks ago, like a month ago already, Russia was pushing out a vaccine right onto right. their people with no human trials. I haven't heard. How's that going? Have you, you know anything about I that? I haven't heard either. No, I don't know anything about that, but it doesn't surprise me that we haven't heard anything about that because of the type of government that they have. True. Um, and this and actually goes back to the last subject that we were talking about, but I personally am concerned about the vaccine and I sure. am very suspicious, uh, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't like this because what I think is going to happen is that there will be executive orders that say that I have to get a vaccine, a vaccination. And yeah. um, I, much like the Russian thing, I don't want to be the first one taking that vaccination. No, um, I don't get flu shots, by the way. I don't. I, I don't want to in, introduce that into my body. I, uh, yeah. I don't know what they're putting in my body. I, but then I, how I, do you feel I'm like personally the vaccines that you, you we were given as kids you've given to your kids uh for polio and i don't know plague or whatever uh you know we've don't we get like three like mandated three different vaccines as children it depends on what state that you're in every oh. state is a little bit different and uh yeah because when i when i moved or when my kids moved here to california they had to get more vaccinations than they oh. were required to have when they were in ohio this is where the concerning part is for me is that who makes these decisions? How are they made? And what's actually inside of these things? And when you start taking a look at that, you start to learn some pretty ugly truths. And they could be putting anything inside of us. We don't know what they're actually putting inside of us. I, I agree that uh, 
that there are vaccinations that have been helpful that we can mm. prove have eradicated certain yep. diseases that are out there. But this comes back to trusting the government, which I don't. I, I, I don't either. I, and I don't think anyone should. It's, I think it's a healthy American way to actually be distrustful of the government. Well, I think that uh, what we're seeing here with this COVID-19 is we're seeing a, a new virus that has entered into our environment and I do believe in the herd immunity uh, that if we're actually isolating ourselves from people, from different uh, germs that are out there, our bodies are very miraculous. Uh, they can, when they're exposed to these things in, in different doses, it produces antibodies almost magically, miraculously. And that's how we actually become immune. But if we don't get exposed to these things, we actually put ourselves in a more risky situation to take on these types of viruses. So I think that this whole lockdown that we've had, even going back to the person that was at that football game, is actually doing more harm than good for us in general. Okay, and if we but... take a look at the statistics here on who's actually been getting sick and what the sickness is and what the, who's actually the most vulnerable, I don't think it's, I don't think this virus is anywhere near as bad as what the media has portrayed it to be. Not to the common 94% uh, of the population that, you know, it's not really deadly to. I agree with that. But to use your rationale about the herd immunity and uh, we would be fine if we just followed that, well, then uh, that's not the case with polio then why are we getting any of these vaccines? Uh, you know, so there are these, it's a good question. These diseases that we have very much eliminated that have wiped out a third of our population in the past that we, the vaccines have saved humanity. So I think the vaccine should be given to people that have comorbidities that are in the vulnerable class. And that's it. I just, I don't see it as anything more than that. I, I, that's I think a, that's not a bad thing to think about. Yeah, I think, I think we. I think the science and the statistics, these epidemiologists, that's what they look at is they look at statistics on these types of things. I think the statistics have proven that out. But what we're seeing here is a complete change in our society, a lockdown in our society, where some woman at a football game gets tased in the middle of a game and she's not even near anybody. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, and I, I, I'm I just, not going to go back there again. I, we beat, I, we're beating a dead horse. On well, I think it's the, the very crux of the problem here is that we've changed our society out from underneath of our feet because of fear and that we have a mechanism here in this country that is a fear producer and that these things are all related to each other where, it, where we are you uh, get this are noise? not unified anymore. Are you hearing a noise? No. I am. Weird. Okay. You know what it is? It's, it's the sound of me being right. Um, <laughs> that's funny. It stopped. I don't, it was like a computer thing. Boom, 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 boom. I don't know what it was. It that's must weird. Have been no, I didn't, I didn't actually hear it. The sound of you being right. That's funny. <laughs> we got a, a Hey, let's move on to Ruth Bader Ginsburg because yeah, I think ahead. that's a huge, huge thing that's happened here. So last Friday, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. 
And of course, she's the Supreme Court justice, which totally threw gasoline on this mm -hmm. whole election process that we're looking at right here. And we know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was very much an activist uh, uh, judge that was leaned heavily to the left. And this is now a situation where there's a debate on whether or not the president should appoint a new Supreme Court justice. Of course, shortly after the announcement of her death happened, Mitch McConnell, the uh, the leader of the Senate um, of the Republican Party, the majority party of the Senate, who the Senate under the Constitution has the position of advice and counsel to the president regarding the Supreme Court appointee, said that he would indeed hold a vote uh, for President Trump's appointee, and all hell broke out after that. All kinds of debate happened after that. I'm very interested in what your opinion is on this, Barry. I did not read the details about it. When we get that far down the rabbit hole of politics, I honestly get bored. I'm more about like when it affects behavior and stuff. That's what really interests me. Mm -hmm. I am interested in you clarifying uh, the debate over appointing uh, someone before the election versus waiting until after. Yeah, so back during the Obama administration, and this is where the big debate is coming from, there was an appointee, Merrick Garland, that Obama made during his last year of his presidency, and Mitch McConnell stood in the way of actually holding a vote saying, it's your last year, we're going to go ahead and wait until the next president is elected before we fill that seat. It was when Justice Scalia passed away. Now, that's what's actually coming up, and, and that's what people are saying. Wait a second, Mitch McConnell, you wouldn't appoint a Supreme Court justice in the last year of the presidency of Obama, and that was nine months before he actually left office, right. but yet you're going to appoint a, pre, a, a Supreme Court justice under Trump, and huh, it seems interesting because you're a Republican and he's a Republican. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so in other words, Republicans can put mm -hmm. justices in, but Democrats can't. Nothing of the sort. Um, what the whole point of argument actually is, is right there regarding the same parties or differing parties. So if you look back on history, 29 times this has come up where a Supreme Court justice seat had to be filled during the last year of the presidency. In all 29 cases, even under Obama, the president appointed a Supreme Court justice. So there's no question under precedent or the Constitution that the president has the authority and has in, in fact appointed a Supreme Court justice. The, the, the debate comes with, will the Senate actually hear and, 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 and give the advice and counsel? And that's how you appoint a Supreme Court justice. Mm -hmm. So under this situation, you have two, you have the president who's a Republican, you have the head of, you have the majority in the Senate, they're the same party. Now, if you look back in history, every single time that it was the same party, 19 times, by the way, every single time it was the same party, the president appointed a Supreme Court justice and the Senate brought that to the Senate and actually appointed a Supreme Court justice every time. Hmm. When the president 
was a different party than the majority in the Senate. That happened nine times. Eight times out of nine times, they didn't actually bring the appointee into the Senate. So uh, now there was one time and that happened in the late 1800s that they did actually appoint a Supreme Court justice, but that's when they had a big deficit in the Supreme Court where there were several seats that needed to be filled. Mm. That was the only time. Now, if you look at the recordings, that's exactly what Mitch McConnell told Obama when this happened, that Mr. President, it's been over 100 years since we appointed a Supreme Court justice in the last year of the presidency when there were differing parties between the executive office and the Senate. And so this actually becomes a non-issue. And even if uh, this were to go into the lame duck session, which is, uh, let's say, President Trump doesn't get elected and... uh, and they still haven't appointed the Supreme Court justice, the the Senate would still be responsible for appointing or or passing through, or at least hearing the rest of the hearing, even if Trump doesn't get elected and they don't appoint that Supreme Court justice before the uh, the 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 election. So it's all precedent. This is all uh, normal, but yet there are pundits and politicians that even Joe Biden pouring gasoline on this whole thing saying this is unprecedented, which is a hundred percent precedented. Yeah, I know. It's just that it's, it just figures 2020, like any more curveballs this year could throw at us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that's a scary question to ask because as soon as you it? ask one of them comes, Yeah. what, what more could happen at this point? And listen to this one. I saw this headline. Uh, it's from The Hill. Uh, Gallup poll. 61% support abolishing the Electoral College. That's scary. That is terrifying. It you know what that is. means to me is that people are just not educated on the value of the Electoral College. Well, also, you can, you could create a poll to skew whatever way you want by the way you word it and where you uh, conduct that poll. Well, that's absolutely the truth. And you know what, Barry? This, this brings up the point of these polls that we're seeing where we see, oh, the election is very tight. And well, Joe Biden is in the lead right now in, in all the battleground states, but it is tight. And it's like, okay, that doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Uh, because we, wherever Trump goes, a billion people show up just like like they're rowdy i mean they're like really enthusiastic but wherever joe biden goes no one shows up Mm. and it's like well how are is this can this be right i mean i remember last time around the polls were obviously wrong but but what we're hearing we're actually hearing that the polls are being skewed because they're actually polling more Democrats than Republicans? Sure. Of course they are. I'll tell you exactly what they're going to do, too. Is they're, they're continuing to do this to try to muster up enthusiasm and a positive uh, uh, team-like vibe for Biden. But I'll guarantee you, in the last couple weeks of this, they're going to be like, we warn you, warning you what happened four years ago. And if you want Trump to get elected again, you better get out there and vote because it's looking like it's going to be close. They're going to do that in the last couple weeks, I think. 
you would think that this because because what I feel like is this is if you're a Republican and you hear that oh my gosh Trump is behind in the polls that that actually produces more enthusiasm for the Republicans to get out and vote. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like their strategy is is backwards here. I think everything about their strategy has been backwards, uh, right down to these uh, Democratic governors and, uh, and mayors encouraging the burning down of their towns. And then with the, the intent all along that they're going to turn it around on Trump, so, and, which they've been actively trying to do. And I swear, man, that's got to – people are not that dumb. We have a – I think the 40% of this population is uh, pretty naive uh, and not – well-educated on what is truly going on in the news. In other words, they will, uh, they watch mainstream media. They've always watched it. They, so they haven't seen how it's gradually and surely turned into this manipulative machine. They just buy into it because mm-hmm. they've always trusted it. Um, so there's a lot of that going on, but the more ridiculous things get, they're trickling out of there. It's like, come on, this is, this is insane. And start asking questions like Herschel Walker coming out and, and saying, hey, I just found out that this is a whole Marxist movement. Did you guys realize that? Dude, it seems to me most people don't realize that yet. You know, that's what's so crazy. And I mean, how do you not realize that? And then secondly, the thing that really gets me, Barry, is when so- somebody like Herschel Walker comes out and makes a statement like that, then he is lambasted in the media and you have Has what you'll been? have is you'll have black pundits come on and say that somebody like Herschel Walker isn't really black. Mm. Um, we saw That's this cool. happen with the attorney general in, in uh, Louis, Louisville, Kentucky, when the verdict came out from the grand jury. And I don't know if you actually saw that guy's speech that he made, but he was very calm. He had the facts in front of him. He made a plea for peace and, uh, and, and a very logical plea. And it was all based on fact. And then I saw people on CNN and MSNBC, and they were saying, it, and they, they always bring black people on to say these things. They were saying the worst things about this man, who, by the way, gave a speech for the Republican uh, National Convention. So what? Mm -hmm. Uh, The guy was actually stating the facts here. And one of the pundits actually, who was black, she said uh, that this man doesn't speak for black people. He's not even black. He's skin folk, but he's not kin folk. In other words, he's got a black face, but he's that's a hundred percent racist, Barry. Mm -hmm. And it's disgusting. And the fact that MSNBC would even put that in their newscast. Unbelievable. It's completely irresponsible. This is why they're able to attract so many people to burn the city down. Mm. This is dangerous. It's subversive. And we're seeing it happen all over the place. When are we going to stop this from happening? I mean, this is outrageous. And I just got to say, going back to the whole Black Lives Matter thing, now that they're actually – going after people that are just having dinner on the street. Cause that's yeah. the only place you can have. I, I saw one where a man and woman are sitting down having dinner. And these, this first, this young man comes over and just sits down at their table. And the woman was just like, Oh, that, that's enough. This is my table. And she tried to oust him from a seat. And he violently put his seat down. I'm sorry. 
if that ever happens to me, I'm probably going to end up in jail. Because no, I'm not going to let that happen. I, I know you wouldn't. They disgusting. wouldn't pick your table. I, I've said it before. They wouldn't. They better not. Because I'll, I'll, I will. <laughs> I'm not even going to say. I, they I might know. get bitten. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> hey, we need to start lightening it up. We're going to yeah. have to segue out of here soon. I wanted to ask you, though, I just saw as well. Uh, California is banning gasoline cars. Ah, can you believe that? Um, I like it. I've been oh, wanting, you do? I've been wanting the conversion to happen much quicker. I just, uh, I think it's archaic. And I think it's because, I know it's because of the oil companies that are so embedded into our, uh, our government. Well, let me just bring up a couple of things about that. One is that we've had all these wildfires and the, there are reasons why we're having wildfires here. Can't wait and to see where you go with it, this. A lot of it has to do with there are there are ways to prevent wildfires from happening. There are burn zones that we mm -hmm. should be paying attention right. to. That we should be actually be starting burning. Controlled to, burning, yeah. Exactly, but the uh, state government has neglected to do that, mm. um, and that's actually falls under the responsibility of the governor. So what we had like 103 fires going at one time here. Mm. And rather than actually do something and change policy to go after that, he ends up banning our cars and saying that it's causing global warming, which is causing all of these fires. In other words, I'm going to do, I'm going to put an executive order out there that makes it look like I'm doing something about these fires but it's actually doing nothing for these fires. By the way, this is supposed to take effect in uh, 2035, right. long after this governor is gonna be gone. And by the way, it's an executive order, not something that was passed by the legislature. Mm -hmm. Going back to my uh, judge, jury, and executioner kind We're of thing We're never gonna here. get out of that. The next, governor, the next governor that comes in can erase that immediately because it's not the law. That's not how the governorship is supposed to work. I understand what you're saying. I brought up a long time ago, I, it's just something I was thinking about that I, I, I just, I hate gasoline engines. I, I think the best thing, well, because I fried my snowblower last year and it was like the final straw. I've had the gas powered weed eater or what do you call it? Weed trimmers and stuff. Yeah. And I hate gasoline engines. They're nothing but problems. Uh, me. For some reason, they're so much better in cars though, you know, but you get any gas powered thing in a leaf blower or whatever. And it's just, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, you can't start the damn thing. Well, uh, let me uh, let me add two more things to this. One is that we have a crisis here in California. When it gets hot, we don't have enough electricity. And mm -hmm. we have brownouts. We have people that are, it's 112 degrees outside and your air conditioning goes out and you can die in that kind of condition, especially if you're elderly. Um, so we've actually had to borrow power from neighboring states. So now let's outlaw all of the cars that have gasoline power and make them rely on electricity. That doesn't make any sense. Um, secondly, is that uh, electric cars are about $50,000. The, the general public here, I think the average age of cars here is something like 10 years old. People can't afford that. Mm. Uh, secondly, or thirdly, uh, how are you, 
if you do that only in California, what if you want to travel out of state? Uh, you, is your electric car going to, where are you going to find a place to plug in? It, it, there's all kinds of problems with this whole thing, and it's completely devoid of logic. I think this, that, that the people should be a part of making these kinds of decisions. And oh, lastly, I'll just say this. You make a decision like this, and you put hundreds of thousands of people out of work. That that doesn't make sense to to have the to give the governor the power to make that kind of decision when he is under attack because he hasn't made the right decisions to protect the the the, the state regarding these these fires that are happening all over the state. We remember we had a situation a couple of years ago in Paradise, California, where a fire started and it burnt down the entire town and several people were killed. And that had everything to do with PG&E, our electric company, and the fact that we have 100-year-old plus uh, power lines here, which again is a government agency that was not being maintained and that falls right into the lap of the governor. These are the things that he should be taking a look at, not getting into the business sector and shutting down business. That is outside of his jurisdiction. Well, I disagree with a lot of what you said, of course. And uh, I think that, you know, we can concentrate on multiple problems at one time, such as the infrastructure, the electrical uh, infrastructure. uh, Which has been neglected. And agreed. Uh, So that needs to be addressed. And and, uh, at the same time, correcting the problem. I mentioned a long time ago, you didn't like the idea that, I wish there would be, you know how like you can get government credits or something for putting solar panels on your house or however that works. I would like that rental car companies would get some kind of incentive to use electric cars. And because what that does is they like, I don't know, two to three years, just like leases, they push those cars. They, They don't keep cars for very long. They push, they sell them out to the American, the public. And those cars would be much cheaper. And Elon Musk is working on a much more affordable. The competition with electrical vehicles is as such that they are becoming much more affordable. Batteries are getting, they're becoming better in every way. This is going to happen. But I think if we simply give an incentive to the rental car industry to go electric, this when they sell those cars to average everyday Joe Schmoes like you and I, they're much more affordable now and it helps that conversion take place. I would like to see that. I would like to get off, oh God, the gas combustible engine already. I think it's way overdue. It's, I think it's archaic. And I certainly think that our environment would thank us, thank us for it, but we need to uh, get the electrical or all of our grid. We know across the United States, we've seen evidence of it that when the grid gets too stressed, it goes down. And that's a serious problem when it happens. Well, yeah, let me just weigh in on that real quick. And the reason that I didn't like that idea had to do with the incentives uh, to make that happen, because the only way that the government can give you incentive, give the rental car agencies incentives is through tax dollars. And that means this, that the only way that they're going to get the car cheaper is if I pay more money out of my tax dollars to provide that for the rental agencies. In other words, I'm the one that buys those cars and then I've got to go rent them. I got to get it twice. And that doesn't make sense. What I do agree with is this, is that let the market fight that out. Let the electrical car industry 
put out a competitive product that displaces the gasoline power cars, let them battle it out, and whoever wins, wins. They can use the environment and say, hey, this is better for the environment, and the more people that go over that way, that's gonna lower the price. But if the government gets involved, just like the bailout of the auto industry several years back, it meant this, that you and I bought cars from the auto industry, but we actually didn't get the cars. We just poured our, our tax dollars into it, but we didn't actually get a car. That's, that's wrong, and um, it's actually, if you really look at it, it's like robbery, and it, our government isn't actually meant to work that way. Okay, that's great. All right, I got a final story here. It's, uh, right. it's a very moving story, and uh, boy, we just disagreed all day here today. I love it. I do too, and once again, <laughs> didn't get to the subject matter. I know. Wait, 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 let me say this right before you get started. Yeah. This is our 24th episode, isn't it? Oh, geez, I think you're right. And oh. so we have one more episode for the season. Maybe that's the grand finale. Oh, the, oh that's interesting. About this. That's interesting. I was thinking, and I want you to weigh in on this. So when we started the show and we talked about, oh, let's do these seasons and 25 episodes, that's a good number. Um, because we thought that we would miss a week for, from vacation or something, you know, but probably two weeks out of the year. So this should be work out to be our annual, you know, at the end of season two should be our annual anniversary, but it's not. I propose that for this season, we actually go to 27 episodes. Oh, and so that's it actually is. a good idea. And then we'll go to, from there on, season three will be 26 episodes season four, 26 episodes from there on. So we do hit an actual year rather. You think? Uh, you know what? That's actually a pretty good idea. I like that idea. I know, but didn't you want to end uh, uh, end season two like in a couple of weeks? Cause it's such a monumental, like now we got to wait another couple of weeks. It's ah, well, I know. we'll do that. We'll do that though. Yeah. Hey, I, I, want it to I was be a thinking, true year. I was thinking for season three, Maybe we add some theme music to to the beginning of our show or the end of our show. I don't know. If I've thought that about happen. that too. It's got to yeah. be royalty free, which I can right. I can come up with. Uh, but then that's another thing I got to do. Uh, oh, here's what <laughs> I was thinking, Merle. Get this. You might like this. I was going to bring it up at the beginning. And I forgot. So we could do YouTube live. We could actually do like next week. We could do. We'd have to experiment with it. Uh, we could do our podcast live and we could put it out there. We could advertise it. We're going live today. If you want to bring your questions on in real time, just comment right here on our Facebook page. Oh, that's or whatever. scary. Yeah. I think it's kind of what cool. A, what a cool risk. Yeah. I kind of like your idea. These are things we should talk about. I like it. Yeah. Though. I like how you're thinking. Yeah. It, it just occurred to me. So I want to put that in your noggin and let you stew on it. All right. Right on. All right. So you got a story. Yeah, I might need help with it. This is so moving. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, it's way get at the, the Kleenex out. It's way at the end of the notes. Headline says it all. 89-year-old pizza delivery man. I'll say that again. 89-year-old pizza delivery wow. man gets the prize $12,000 tip. I got the link for you. It's on today.com. It's such a great article. And what I get out of this, this is the redemption of social media. This is how social media is a good thing. We always talk about how it's so bad. There's a lot of bad aspects, but it, progress is always inevitable. So here are some young people that uh, did a heck of a lot, something just terrific, terrific. 
<laughs> this guy's name's hard to say. Derlin Newey, a pizza delivery man for Papa John's Pizza in Roy, Utah, took a 30-hour-a-week job as a pizza delivery guy because his monthly bills weren't get, getting met with his social security. Wow. So one of his customers, Carlos Valdez, began recording Newey's deliveries to his family's front door and sharing them on the social media platform TikTok. So I imagine the pretty young people on TikTok are generally pretty young. Yeah. So I just picture this really nice young guy, Carlos Valdez. And uh, so the, our 89-year-old pizza delivery man is known for saying, hello, are you looking for some pizza when he mm, delivers? We all and are. Nui, the 89-year-old delivery man, soon became a fan favorite on this TikTok channel to Valdez's 53,000 followers. Holy cow. Yeah, I, he's an influencer for sure. Right, he's like such on a, the show. Yeah, such a good young man. <laughs> he says, it's insane. Everybody loves him. And adding that, the followers commented their frustration that knew he still had to work at 89 years old. So the Valdez family got the idea to crowdsource funds from their followers to help Nui out. And quote, collectively as a TikTok community, we all came together and were able to raise $12,000 for this amazing person. Wow. Along with the local news station, KSL, the Valdez family made a surprise special delivery to Nui at his door with a $12,000 plus check. That is that how social is awesome. media should work. I love that. That Isn't is really that, cool. That is really cool. I admire What an uplifting message to end on. And it is. And I just want to remind everybody that especially from now through November 4th and probably thereafter, we have just, got, we're entering the worst news cycle. You brought it up in the beginning that you're probably watching too much news because you're getting depressed. There's so many good things going on out there and, but you got to get past, you got to get past the mainstream media, whether it's the right or the left. And you got to find some middle of the road stuff. I like to watch, uh, look at Google news, news.google.com because you get a variety of all that stuff. And I just, I read those terrifying headlines that they put out there. Uh, if I even open them to see the story, I scan it. I try not to, I, I don't want to preach. I just know that the news cycle right now is, uh, again, something else that I heard this morning, suicides are way up right now. Depression, yeah. way up. So, guys, take care of yourselves. Um, you know, watch our channel more. Go back and see our old <laughs> stuff. Uh, just a shameless plug. Go to over50startingover.com and sign up for our stuff. Sign up for our mailing list and get this dropped in your email box as it becomes available. You can even like our Facebook page from there, which we share great content on there. And leave a comment. Absolutely. Leave us comments. We'll talk about doing that live show. Right on. It'd be fun. All right, Merle. I love you, brother. We'll talk love to you, you too. next week. Yep. yep.